Today, we are reflecting upon the Holy Spirit. And I invite you right there in your homes to open your Bible with me to the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And I'm going to read this section of Scripture to you, our, our passage for today, and then we'll jump into the sermon. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, who's they, by the way, this is the apostles, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthenians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. The crowd asked a very important question upon observing the apostles filled with the Holy Spirit. They asked this question, what does this mean? Today, I want us to ask that same question and to answer that question. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What is the value to us? What is the power that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit? Three things. It means an outside power. It means inner assurance. And it means an overwhelming joy in sharing Jesus' message. Let's start with the first, outside power. The Bible tells us that when the disciples were together in one place, that three phenomenon took place. The first was a sound like a blowing, violent wind. Have you been in those moments where, the, where you can l hear the wind and it sounds like a, sometimes like a freight train coming through? Christina and I feel like we, we somewhat live in a wind tunnel. If it's windy in our neighborhood, you can be sure that our trash cans are blown over. Even if there are no other trash cans blown over, ours will be blown over. We love our house, but when we first moved to our house, we moved there with three glass tables, two round ones and a rectangular one. We are down to one glass table, just the rectangular one. The two round tables have been destroyed by wind. One was, was picked up and thrown down our hill and shattered into pieces. The glass shattered into pieces. The other, the wind was so fierce that, that it came up and in some way, I'm not even sure how, I think it was last year when we thought we might be getting a tornado, the wind was so fierce that you could hear the wind coming and then suddenly poof, there was an explosion and the table had exploded right there. It just come up under the thing and exploded the glass in the table. 
such a wind is intimidating. Intimidating is probably too mild of a word. Such a wind is menacing. And that menacing wind, which the Bible says came down from heaven, came from outside of that house where the disciples were, came from outside of the disciples, that wind came down from heaven and filled the room. The disciples were about to be filled with Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And where did that Spirit come from? Here's what I want us to understand about this first phenomenon and what it teaches us about the filling of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to have a divine power from outside of you come into your life. Hear that. To have a divine power from outside of you come into your life. That is important. The Holy Spirit is a power. It's a divine power. And it is a divine power from outside of you and outside of me that is put into you and put into me. This doesn't always mean that you're going to hear a violent wind or, or, or have any of the other phenomena that are mentioned. We don't see others always receiving the Holy Spirit in the exact same way in the Bible. But the first story, I believe, in this first phenomenon illustrates to us, it reminds us that the Holy Spirit is not some psychological phenomenon that comes from within you. The Holy Spirit is not not some feeling that you have. It's not some feeling that, that grows up inside of you. But literally, the Holy Spirit is a divine power from outside of us. As one pastor said, Such a reality immediately puts us on a collision course with our culture and what our culture tells you and me about our problems and our solutions. Hear this. Culture is keen on teaching us these days that the answer to everything can be found in you, can be found in me, can be found in ourselves. We're taught and we now teach our our kids that, that all their problems are outside of them and the answers to the problems are inside of them. Graduation speeches teach us such nonsense. I've heard it. You've probably heard it too. A graduation speaker will say, you possess the power within you to be anything you want to be. This is the theology of Oprah Winfrey and of Donald Trump. It is the same. This was from Time Magazine. Winfrey and Trump both preach a gospel of wealth, health, and self-determination following in the relatively recent prosperity gospel tradition which broadly speaking says that God wants people to be wealthy and healthy and that followers are responsible for their own destiny here on earth. The power of self-determination. You can be anything you want to be now, society tells you. Whatever is within you, that's who you can be. It is this type of thinking that, that, that led to an individual like 
the lady Rachel Dozal. You might remember her a few years back. Her parents actually reported her to the news. Why did they report her to the news? Because they discovered that she was leading, she was the leader, the voted elected leader of a chapter of the NAACP in the state of Washington. Why did they report her for this? Because Mrs. Dozell, Miss Dozell is a white woman from Montana who was living as a black woman in Washington state. How could she do such a thing? She said since she was the age of 10, while she was biologically white inside, she is black. While she is biologically white, on the inside, she is black. In other words, if you don't feel right about who you are, then that's a problem from outside and within you can just change it. You can change it. What gender you are, doesn't matter. What race you are, doesn't matter. What truths you want to agree with, doesn't matter. Modern society tells you that it is okay. That the answer to that problem is inside of you and you can manifest the solution to your struggle from within, whatever you feel, whatever you believe. In fact, that word manifesting is the new trend. Manifesting is the new word for this type of living. Uh, it's, it's a new age concept that's been around for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's, it's, it's the religion of, of, of Eastern thought, but now has this new word, manifesting. This is from Oprah's magazine just this past December. Manifesting is making everything you want to feel and experience a reality via your thoughts, actions, beliefs, and emotions. Manifesting, do you hear that? Is making everything you want to feel and experience a reality via your thoughts, actions, beliefs, and emotions. I want this to be true, therefore I think it to be true. I was once getting my hair cut by a lady. She was telling me about how her dad had cancer. And she was worried that she had had some part in it because she used to worry about her dad having cancer. And she didn't know if maybe she had thought this into reality. I knew her well enough to say, that's ridiculous. We discussed why it was ridiculous based on the Word of God. You see, the Bible tells us just the opposite. It tells us that, that, that the problem is within us. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. What is in ourselves cannot cure the problems that, are, that we have because what is in us is deceitful above all things. Our natural selves. Martin Luther stated it this way. Human nature, he used the Latin term then, is incurvatus in se, which means is curved in on itself. Martin Luther said, human nature is curved in on itself. In other words, we're obsessed with ourselves. And we think we are the center of the universe. The world says the problem is out there and the solution is in here. Christianity, however, says that the problem is in here and the solution, the power of God comes from without, 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. The story of the Holy Spirit filling the apostles is something that is illustrating this. Something that God wanted us to understand. Remember John chapter 15 and verse 5 where Jesus said, Apart from me, apart from God, you can do how much? Nothing. Does that sound the same as manifesting? Everything you want to feel and experience can become a reality via your thoughts, your actions, your beliefs, and your emotions. Everything you want to experience and to feel can become a reality via your thoughts, actions, beliefs, and emotions. That's the world's teaching. But Jesus' teaching is you can do nothing apart from me. The world says the truth is in you. What do you want to believe to be truth? Then that is your truth. Whereas John chapter 16 and verse 13 tells us, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. In other words, we need the power of the spirit from outside to teach us what is truly the truth of God. Here's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It means truth comes from out there, from the divine, God through the Holy Spirit. It means the Holy Spirit comes from out there, comes into me because what is in me produces craziness and wrong living. What is in me produces the wrong answers to my problems, so I need the Spirit from out there to come in and fill me. What else does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? That's the first thing. It means to receive a power from outside of ourselves to come in and fix our problems rather than us trying, having the power within us to fix who we are. The second thing that it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it means to have inner assurance. The second phenomenon reads like this. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They saw what, what, what appeared to be tongues of fire that separated and, and, and came to rest on each of them. This moment is, is a confirmation of God's individual and particular care for each one of the apostles. If you have a Bible with you, jump back to, to Luke. Just a couple books back. Luke chapter 3, and I will start in verse 21. Luke chapter 3, and I will start in verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, this is telling the story of, of Jesus' baptism. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying heaven, and as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And then these words came from God. And a voice from heaven said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Y'all, that phenomenon in Luke chapter 3 of the dove descending, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 3, this is the disciples' dove moment. 
God descending upon them. And just as he, as he affirmed the value of Jesus there in the waters of baptism, now he is affirming the value of the, the apostles there in that upper room through the fire descending upon them. Brothers and sisters, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the ways we know we are filled with the Holy Spirit is that we have the assurance of God's love and God's care and the assurance of salvation. We have our dove moment, our assurance, our individual peace is a, is a reminder that the Spirit has filled us. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It means the assurance and the peace of God. Some of us really need to hear that. Some of you really need to hear that because you were raised on a quote that was interpreted to mean that you could never be fully assured of your salvation. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then good. I'm not going to repeat the quote. I'm not going to get into it. But some in my faith background understand what I'm saying. They were raised being reminded that they should never be too sure of their salvation. They heard it from a well-intentioned preacher, a well-intentioned elder, a grandparent, a parent, telling you that you can't really have assurance. But Jesus was assured he was a son of God by the dove descending upon him. The, the apostles were assured that they were, that they were loved and valued by God through those tongues of fire descending upon them. And you can be assured through the inner peace you feel when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit into your life. You can have the assurance that the apostles and that Jesus had. You may say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. That's the apostles and that's Jesus. That's not me. Listen, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. The Spirit, the Bible says, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, Listen to this now. This is a great verse, verse 15. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if that's not assurance, I don't know what is. The Spirit you received, the Holy Spirit, testifies with your heart that you have a daddy, a father, one who loves you in Jesus. You are a child of God. Assurance. Amen. That power is outside of ourselves. It comes in and helps us solve our problems. We can't solve our problems. It's an outer power coming into us to solve those outer problems and those inner problems. The power of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is a reminder that you are loved by God. Jesus was, was anointed with the dove and reminded of his value and affirmed of his value in God. The apostles were affirmed in this moment of their value in God with the, with the tongues of fire descending on each one of them individually. And now Romans tells us that the Spirit of God descends on us and with our heart it testifies that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit coming into our hearts takes the words of Romans 8, 15, and 16 that I just read, and it, and it takes them from our mind, and it moves them into our heart. It gives us assurance. It doesn't necessarily change our status with Jesus. We, we, Jesus is our Savior. He's our Lord. But, but, it, but it gives us that peace, that calm, 
that we need in this world. That, that joy that we need in this world. Let me, let me illustrate this for you. I think this is a great illustration for this. My son Levi adores his mom. When Christina walks in from work, Levi's eyes still light up. He's eight years old. He's almost nine, or he'll be nine this year. When Levi, when Christina walks in the door, Levi's eyes light up. And there are moments when I'm watching Christina and Levi, and they'll be walking together, or they'll be sitting on the couch chatting, and all of a sudden, Christina will sweep Levi up and hug him and kiss him with everything that she has. And Levi will explode with joy. You can see it in his face. You can see it in his bright blue eyes. You can hear it in his laughter. This, this enthusiasm of being taken up into Christina's arms and rocked and kissed and tickled. Now let me ask you a question. When Christina is at work, is Levi any less her son than when she walks through the door? When Christina and Levi are, are just walking along the path or, or sitting on the couch chatting, is Levi any less Christina's son than when she scoops him up and kisses him and loves on him and hugs him and shakes him back and forth? Objectively, there is no difference. Legally, there is absolutely no difference. But subjectively, experientially, existentially, there's all the difference in the world. In other words, in Christina's arms, Levi is experienced a level of joy and love. He's experiencing his sonship at a whole nother level. When the Holy Spirit comes down on you in the fullness of, his, of the Father's love, you're not anymore legally a child of God or objectively a child, but, but experientially you are being taken up into the arms of God. That's what the Holy Spirit in us does. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. The Holy Spirit testifies with us that we are the children of God. We cry out with the Spirit, Abba, Daddy, I love you. And we feel that love, that assurance. That's the power of the Holy Spirit convicting your heart. Isn't that something you want to be filled with? Isn't that something you want? Finally, being filled with the Holy Spirit means having an overwhelming joy to share Jesus' message. The third phenomenon that they experienced, the Bible says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was not them speaking in some unknown language or other tongues. This is not a promotion of, of Pentecostalism. Verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. In other words, all these different nations were there in, in, in Jerusalem. And, and as the disciples spoke, the words that came out of their mouth were 
languages that they did not know how to speak before, but somehow now they could speak and others could hear them speaking the language in their own tongues. The disciples were suddenly multilingual. And we focus a lot oftentimes when we mention this verse about them speaking in other languages, which by the way is a whole other sermon in and of itself about the inclusion of the gospel and about the universality of the gospel, about the, the diversity of the gospel. But, but what I want us to notice in the here and now is how they were speaking. And it, and it comes from the very last verse, verse 13. They see the disciples speaking and in and, and all these different languages and talking and declaring the wonders of God. And in the NIV, it says, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Other versions say, and some said they were drunk. Y'all, don't let this make you think that they're describing people that are, that are speaking nonsense. This is not describing a group of people that were falling off chairs and, and, and couldn't stand up or couldn't walk right. There's mean drunks, there's silly drunks, there's also happy drunks. And what I think is being described here is really kind of, in some ways, what I'll describe as a happy drunk. Because you know what happy drunks do? Some of you have had the I don't know if we'd call it a privilege. Some of you have had the experience of being around drunk people a lot, like I have. And here's what I've seen when I'm around what we call happy drunks. They start talking and they cannot keep quiet. There is no inhibition. And with enthusiasm, they tell you everything. And everything is so exciting. And everything is so joyful. And everything is so wonderful. And isn't that great? Oh, you're just the greatest in the world. And I love you so much. They are full of joy talking about all kinds of random things. Well, the disciples, though, they are full of joy. There is so much enthusiasm. There is no inhibition in them. And people look at them and say, they must be drunk because they are just over the top enthusiastic about what they are talking about. But they are not talking about random things. The Bible says what? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. The word wonders is from the Greek word that means the miraculous acts of salvation by God in history. And Peter's sermon is about to be that, a, a testimony of God's working out salvation throughout history. They are drunk, not on wine. They're drunk on the Holy Spirit because they are just going on and on with such joy about the gospel. The third mark or meaning of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to be joyfully obsessed with sharing the gospel, sharing the message of Jesus. I spoke with a young lady at our drive-in service just last Sabbath that said to me with such joy, Pastor Chad, this summer I had an encounter with Jesus. And as she spoke, her eyes were, were illuminated and alive and her voice was ringing with the joy of being obsessed with the good news of Jesus. You could see it all over her. She was just enthusiastic. She said, Pastor, is there some people I can talk to that are just as excited about Jesus as I am? 
That is being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the joy, the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It means I understand that I'm a mess and in me I can't manifest anything to fix myself. But the power outside can come down from heaven and come into me and fix my problems through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do nothing apart from me. The power of the Holy Spirit coming outside fixes me because when I try to interpret truth, when I try to do truth, truth is always a little bit messed up in my view from a human. But, but the Holy Spirit tells me, I can lead you into all truth. I can guide you into all truth. A power outside of me working on my problems, fixing me and my truth. What it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit is that I have the assurance of salvation, a peace in that assurance, because it's like the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes to me, it's like being wrapped up into a parent's arms and loved and squeezed. And yes, I'm their child when I'm standing next to them. But in that moment of being picked up and embraced, there's something wonderful and magical and powerful and invigorating and confidence building. What it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit is that I have a joy, a joy in talking about Jesus, not just in the here and now, not just for a moment, but I have a joy in talking about Jesus all the time. I'm an enthusiastic. People look at me and say, man, he must be drunk because he can't shut up about the Holy Spirit, about the power of Jesus. Oh my, the Holy Spirit. Why would I not want all those things in my life? Why would you not want all those things in your life? Oh Lord, we need the Holy Spirit, descend on us, I pray, and give us the power of the Holy Spirit to fix the problems that are within us, to give us the assurance of your love and your salvation, and to give us the joy for talking about you, Jesus, in any and every situation. Oh, descend on us, we pray, Jesus, and fill us with the Holy Spirit in your name. Amen.